My name's Tommy C, and with me this week to talk about the world of football is Jesse and Damo. Damo, how are you doing this week? I'm good, mate. And um, contrary to uh, the images that you've been seeing on YouTube, I'm not currently in East London. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a flat cap on for those who can't see uh, (laughs) the images on YouTube. And um, literally, as we've just hit go live... um, uh, I just see that Jesse's just dropped out, so uh, hopefully this isn't just going to be uh, an hour of technical difficulties, but we'll see how well, uh, we go. How are you going, Tommy, live from uh, Hotel Quarantine in Sydney? Yeah, mate. Um, so uh, those listeners that um, knew my old uh, recording location, I've uh, returned back to our sunny shores in the last few days, so I'm currently enjoying Hotel Quarantine in Sydney, no more sweat box, um, the what do we call it? The um... control room. Yeah, <laughs> I, I believe it's uh, ground control to Major Tom. <laughs> <laughs> what it does look like is because because I've got like the I've got the the window behind me that I've got, and I'm just wearing like this black jumper, and there's no other light at the moment. It looks like I'm just a head, <laughs> just like a head floating on the screen. <laughs> Love that for you. Mm. But boys, um, it's good to be back, and um, hopefully now, um, for for those listeners, um, obviously don't know the background. It's it's always been tricky while I was overseas trying to get a, a good time to record. It basically meant that I only had one hour on one day a week where I could record, and so it meant a little bit tricky. Let's just put it that way. But um, look, enough about scheduling. Um, let's uh, dive into some football, shall we? Um, Damo, what was your moment of the week? My moment of the week was uh, from. England. It was Manchester United player Marcus Rashford has actually topped the Sunday Times giving list. He's the youngest person to ever do that at 23 years old. Um, he donated 20 million pounds, which is four million pounds more than his personal wealth. Um, granted, this, granted, this is this is not all of his money. It comes from his charity, which was uh, which was donated, um, obviously from a lot of people, but but. I mean, it's an incredible thing that he's done in terms of raising money for food for children in poverty and, and charities in, in communities from, you know, he grew up in, in a tough way and he's giving back to, to the people that are growing up like he did. So it's awesome to see that. And, and I hate him for making me like a Manchester United player. <laughs> yeah, I, I just um, I can see you you're saying that through gritted teeth that uh, a Manchester United player was your moment of the week. <laughs> yep. Oh, mate, good stuff, though. Uh, Jesse, what about you? What was your moment of the week? Well, how long you got, boys? Um, I've been, <laughs> I've been, I've been, uh, I've been off the pod for a while. And um, uh, to the listeners, I mean, I just got a, a young black Labrador who um, has completely um, harpooned my life for the last four weeks. So, um, <laughs> you know, 
I think Tommy's got better excuses moving across the world, but uh, let's just say Black Labrador can be equally um, destructive. Um, but um, right. your, your partner's been able to help out, though. Sorry, your wife's been able to help out, though. Yeah, well, that, if she didn't have a broken shoulder blade, uh, she would be a bit more <laughs> helpful, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's just been perfect here. Thanks, guys. Um, but um, I have to say there's been plenty of good stuff. Um, uh, Joanna's, uh, my partner's uh, club, Sporting, as, as everyone can tell by the shirt, uh, her club finally won the league for the first time in 19 years. So absolute scenes over at our place. Um, got up in the morning to watch that. And um, it was quite funny because there's no crowd there, but the the, the horns were so loud outside the stadium um, that it was this really surreal experience where no one was in the stands, but everyone was outside the, um, the stadium going absolutely bananas before the, uh, the final whistle. Um, as far as this week, I mean, uh, I cherry-picked a few things. We're going to talk about them a bit more later. Uh, Goodwin's goal um, against Melbourne Victory was an absolute peach. I thought that was fantastic. Um, we got to the final day of the EPL, which seemed like an absolute marathon, but we got there and um, there were some exciting results in the final day, so that was pretty cool. Wellington playing in front of home fans um, for what seems like an eternity, um, even though Wollongong was a fantastic uh, home away from home. Um <laughs> Uh, what, what's the what's the uh, chicken place across from the stadium there uh, called Tommy across from Wind Stadium? It's called like oh, Chicken World or something. Yeah, oh, um, <laughs> that would be my oh, home. No, from home. Oh. It's just taking him back a few years, Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> I was just I was just thinking how I'd cope as a Wellington player if I was having to base myself on Wollongong. Oh, um, it's killing me. <laughs> well, you think of that, Tommy. I was just going to say, um, just to, to to wrap up with the moments of the week because obviously there's a long list of them. Um, the champions across the continent, not just sporting, um, but you had Lille in uh, France, the first time in 10 years. Um, sporting, obviously, 19 years. We mentioned that Rangers, 10 years, uh, I guess, with an asterisk next to those people who don't believe they existed. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, Atletico Madrid, seven years, and Inter Milan, 11 years. So what a time to be alive, boys. Scenes. Absolute scenes. Uh, for those playing along at home or that have been to it in Wollongong, it's Chico's. So uh, shame on me for not remembering. <laughs> oh, cheers, cheers to Chico's. I, I, went, I went to, to Chico's, um, like I, I went to uh, Uni in Wollongong and I remember like I used to go there pretty semi-regularly because a friend of mine lived nearby. But um, the it it is amazing. Like I went there a few years later and you know how sometimes you'll have something and then you'll go back a few years later and it won't measure up to the memories. This measured up, if not exceeded, the memories that I have. It's that good. I'm gonna have so, to go. Um, yeah, mate. I'll, uh, I'll take your word on that, Tommy. <laughs> it's it's pretty much just a chicken schnitzel burger with coleslaw. Like it's it's not really anything special, but just oh, the schnitzel. Wow, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for me, um, other than the memories of Chico's, my moment of the week was um, Paddy Kisnorbo and the the city celebrations. Um, I think everyone would have seen a lot of the, the images about um, uh, City celebrating uh, after the final whistle, after they uh, beat Central Coast a couple of days ago. Um, but some of you may not may not have caught uh, Paddy Kisnorbo getting the um, getting dunked with the, the Gatorade, uh, like the the big Gatorade bottle. Um, and as it turned out, he um, they hadn't screwed the lid on uh, properly. Um, and as a result, it basically meant that he ended up needing a couple of stitches after the the lid collected him um, afterwards, which was just fantastic. <laughs> just to add to his injury woes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> out, out for the season. 
poor guy. It's it's not really a, a celebration until someone gets hurt, though, really, is it? That, that's true. <laughs> All right, boys. Um, I, I did ask uh, our Twitter followers as well uh, for their moments of the week uh, because uh, it really is a, a, a big a weekend for moments, plenty of moments. Um, Lee Brox and Fax, he said uh, the, the puncher in the crowd catching the ball on the full uh, something that he loves to see. That was his favourite uh, thing from an otherwise pretty dull uh, original rivalry um, matchup. Um, Kazonis, uh, he said it was great that Real Madrid, PSG, and Juve didn't win their respective leagues, um, as Jesse already said. Uh, Mikey Mifsud, he said City winning the league in Melbourne. Just wanted to leave that there. Um, and also Shannon, uh, some of you remember who's been on the pod recently, um, he had Georgeski winning the league with City after having played. Um, he didn't put this in the tweet, but I looked it up. He's played 24 minutes thus far this season, not including tonight's game against the Raw. So uh, plenty of great moments there as well. Um, but, boys, there's been a few things that uh, haven't haven't quite hit hit so well this season. Oh, sorry, this week. Um, Damo, what's your, what's your own goal? My own goal this week is it's got a couple of parts to it, and it's a lot to do with Spurs. So, is it like Lego? <laughs> That's good from you. Uh, the, the first one was um, Daniel Levy and the owners of Spurs. Obviously, they had fans back in, in the stadium for the first time last weekend, and they put the fans in the top of the upper tier of the stadium, charged them 60 pounds for the uh, for the privilege of being up there so they could leave the sponsors' banners on the first tier and that, that, that they were on the TV because obviously they're paying for that 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 space. Um, and the, the second part of the own goal is that uh, Spurs are, according to reports, trying to re-sign Pochettino after he's out of favour for not winning the league in France. So what what a whirlwind of a week to be Spurs fans. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later in, in transfer chat and the whole Kane situation and everything else going on there. But it's it's not a good time to be uh, to be to be a year, is it? I listened to a podcast with a Spurs fan that was on at um, Demo, and there's an even further twist to what you were saying with the fans. So that part of that £60 package for them to be in, in that position, uh, they also mentioned the sponsors being um, prioritised in front of the fans. Um, but he said that he didn't really mind that because he likes having a vantage point. The bit that pissed him off and a lot of the fans was that part of the deal was because it was the final game of the season or the final home game uh, was that the players were going to come out um, and uh, I don't know necessarily if they're going to do autographs, but they were going to come out and sort of acknowledge the fans and clap around the stadium, do the traditional uh, lap. And uh, basically the players didn't come out for, I think, <laughs> about 50 minutes. Oh. And, and and so the, they'd obviously um, lost. So there was already a, a shit um, atmosphere and there was no communication over the loudspeaker or the PA as to when the players or the coaching staff were to come out. So this 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 resentment just started bubbled, uh, bubbling more and more and more. And by the time the players came out, it was just like the most, um, yeah, toxic. Like to- toxic atmosphere <laughs> you can imagine. So, like, it's just an absolute PR disaster from start to yeah. finish. Yeah, I don't know if you saw any um, footage from from that kind of lap that you're talking about, but Kane kind of Harry Kane was, was last left on the field and kind of did a a lap, a little half a lap by himself. And he looked like he was brought to tears. It was a very much a, it looked like it was very much a goodbye. Thank you very much kind of vibe. So yeah, um, all the shit with him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'd say stay tuned on that. Oh, wow. Um, 
that that um charging them a lot of money. I think Spurs weren't the only club to to charge a lot of uh, a lot of money as well uh, for those last uh, that last round. I think Burnley were the only club to not charge fans um, uh, for for one of their um, their returning uh, matches um, when fans were allowed in, which kind of surprised me. It seemed like a bit of an easy win for like you can only allow ten thousand fans in, like you're not going to make that much extra money out of it when you can, uh, I guess, give something back to the fans who a lot of them still paid for their season tickets as well, which, again, it just sort of it boggles the mind a little bit. You, you give a little bit and you probably get a lot of uh, good PR out of it. And like Burnley were the only ones that did it. Um, the only uh, thing I want to add about uh, Spurs, though, was that I think um, maybe they also were expecting to lose, so that way they wanted to keep the fans as far away as possible, so that they could <laughs> could not like throw coins and, no and projectiles. Well. <laughs> yeah. they, they were forward thinking. They're, they're smarter than us. <laughs> Playing four D chess. Yeah. Um, all right, Jesse. What about you, mate? What was your own goal this week? Uh, going over to Serie A, I think it was Napoli um, falling out in the final day of the top four. Um, yeah, I haven't been following the Serie A as closely as I'd like to have. Um, just There's just been so much going on in all the other leagues as well. But um, yeah, from from all accounts, it was uh, a, a bit of a, it was a, almost akin to Leicester, I think. Um, just that final day, couldn't get over the final hurdle. And, and Juve, who have just been absolutely um, hammered in the press, about uh, how incompetent their season's been, um, have crept in on the final day, um, by all accounts, and are in the top four and making Champions League. Um, I mean, so, Andy Corpinetis will be very, very happy at that, I'm sure. But uh, I, I think for me, the, the the biggest disappointment in Juve finishing fourth is the fact that if if they weren't going to make the Champions League, Ronaldo was definitely going to leave, and it was going to be interesting to see where he went. I think he probably stays at Juve now there in the Champions League because that's kind of that's all he wants to do now. So that's the biggest disappointment for me in, in Napoli kind of crumbling on the final day. And, and shout out to some of our listeners who are clearly Peaky Blinders fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Shelby. Um, yeah. Yes. I think um, uh, as far as Juve goes, um, that's it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, in the off season with them. That's a completely separate topic, but Napoli will be gutted to miss out. Um, the other thing I was just going to mention, and we'll get into it with championship ca- um, chat, was the the red card to Bournemouth. Um, just an absolute tie turner um, and a, a complete disaster for that club. So um, that's a massive own goal for me. Yeah, that was uh, the that uh, red card really sort of threw the turn the tide in in the championship playoff uh, between Bournemouth and Brentford. Um, Given by know. none other. Yeah. Than our that, man. Uh, Jared, Jared. Gillett, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and my own goal very quickly was uh, similar thread to yours, Jesse. It was Leicester losing fourth spot. I think they had over 250 days in the top four this season. Um, and for them to lose the plot pretty much in the final three weeks when um, I think in the end, even a point I think would have got them across the line in the end because uh, Chelsea lost, and and so for them to basically just drop their bundle the way that they did was just really disappointing. I mean, it, it throws up that that uh, conundrum for a lot of fans, which is, would you prefer to win the FA Cup or finish fourth? And uh, I guess Leicester showed which one they prefer to do. Um, 
All right, boys, uh, we've got a, a little bit of uh, football news, transfer chat, uh, and the like to go through. First up, we're going to go through the Socceroos squad, which was announced um, this afternoon, Tuesday afternoon. Um, it's going to be four matches between the 4th and the 16th of June, uh, which are all World Cup qualifiers. We play Kuwait, Taiwan, Nepal, and Jordan. Um, not going to run through the the whole squad, but Damo in particular, um, were there any uh, particular players that jumped out to you that you were that you were really glad that they were in the squad, or you're a little bit sort of puzzled as to why they were in the squad? Um, in in Colby's absence, I'll give a massive shout out to Brad Smith, who's been in massive. <laughs> he's been in great form the last, I think, the last probably three or four weeks. He's he scored his first goal for Seattle about just under a month ago, and he scored, I think, two or three since then. So he's been playing really well, and um, I thought it was really great to see Ruan Tonyuk in the side, who, you know, this time last season was looking down the barrel at the end of his professional career nearly. He was kind of getting thrown around. He was about at his fourth or fifth A-League club. No one really – he wasn't um, really setting the league alight. And this year he's, he's had an off-season – He'll never forget, and he's turned into an absolute monster of a defender. And and I think by looking at the squad, it, it to me it looks like uh, Graham Arter wants to play three at the back. We've got a lot of centre-backs there, and we haven't got much width in terms of full-backs. The only real width we've got is Bayich and Grant, who can both play in that kind of midfield full-back hybrid role. So I think that's really exciting to see that. Um, I'm excited to see uh, Ryland McGree and Kenny Dougal in the side. And and obviously Jamie Jamie McLaren up front is going to be leading the line. He's in probably the form of his life at the moment. So hopefully he can bang in a few goals for the national team. Not just McLaren, but um, Marty Boyle. I think he's probably the other real form player coming into um, into the the camp. I think he scored twelve goals or something in the Scottish Premier League this year. Which, um, considering he's not like a traditional number nine, that's that's pretty incredible as well. Um, I think they were. He was on the the losing end of the Scottish Cup final last weekend or the weekend before, uh, which is a little bit disappointing for him. But it still shows that hey. <clears throat> Excuse me. That um, he was thereabouts with his team, and given his key role in, in getting them there, um, yeah, it's uh, only good things or only good signs for the Socceroos. Um, McLaren, McLaren adds a bit of horsepower for sure. <laughs> well, old machine. Good for you, Jesse. Um, but yeah, there's. Um, I guess it'd be interesting to see more of uh, Karacic, uh, the uh, Australian defender. Um, and just, I guess, on the topic of Tonic, um, Tonic, it's. Uh, I remember him uh, seeing him come through at um, uh, at City, and he was even as a 19 year old, he was an absolute mountain of a man. And uh, I think it's probably taken him a little while just to even grow into his body um, as an adult. So. Um, yeah, it's uh, good to see that he's sort of matured and um, he's always been a, a physical specimen. So um, now it's just good to see that he's able to, that he's turned into a really solid defender as well. There's a lot of synergies, um, a lot of synergies with what you're describing with the, the people on this podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so people growing just, into their bodies. Just a few massive units still growing into their bodies. <laughs> Tommy, there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of guys in the midfield which you've kind of been... Um, ranting on a bit, raving about for the last, I'd say, season, at least two seasons, Denny Genro and Connor Metcalf. You, you you rate them both very highly. Are you excited to see them in the side? Yeah, um, I think it's for both of them, it's a little bit early um, just yet for for them. I'm not really expecting a lot of time, a lot of game time for them. But I guess if the the one player who I'm expecting um, who, who will play a role in this um, camp, and that's Roland McCree. 
I think uh, he's um, he's been over in in the UK this season with Birmingham City, and it's only been sort of the tail end of the campaign that he's that he's got a lot of minutes. So um, I, I think he's a player that that um, needs to step up and take a little bit of responsibility in this camp. And and it is a, a bit of an inexperienced Socceroos um, squad. There's that's uh, there's no Milligan anymore. There's there's no Yedinak. So um, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what what happens with him. Uh, Colby's just said, uh, Colby's of course watching along at home. He's just said Metcalf has really matured, uh, more of a Met cow now, which uh, I think everyone <laughs> can get around that. That's very good, very good. Yes. Um, Tommy, having a look at that midfield, do you think the fact that uh, Graham Arnold's picked Genro, McGree, and Metcalf, it's a bit of getting the band together in, in preparation for the Oli Ruse um, Olympic campaign? Because the three of them are still eligible for the Oli Ruse. In the Olympics yeah. later this year. That's that's a good shout. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I don't really expect, um, but them spending time together in camp, I think, can only be a good thing. Um, James Holland, he's 32 and he's playing for for Lask in Austria. Uh, I think they won the title again, so it can only be good things uh, for. I wouldn't be surprised if he takes a, a real senior role in this camp. And, and uh, we know Arnie loves to play a. Uh, a four-two-three-one with a double pivot, so I wouldn't be surprised if James Holland. He's he's one of the defensive midfielders. Yeah, um, and and I think that kind of plays into Kenny Dougal getting a lot of time, which which I'm excited to see him play. I I, I always thought he was a great player. Um, he came through the Raw Youth Academy, Youth Academy. Um, never got offered a first team contract with the Raw, and decided he'd try his hand in. I think it was the third division of of the Netherlands at the time where he signed and. He's worked his way all the way up, and I think he's been. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's played at Barnsley this season, um, and he's played. He's had a great year, or he's, some, he's somewhere in the championship, and he's had a great season. Um, but he's worked his way up by Blackpool. playing. It was Blackpool. He's worked his way up by playing 90 minutes every week in low divisions. He impresses. He goes higher and higher and higher, and he's made his way all the way to the championship, where he played nearly every game this year. Um. Actually, he's not in the championship. He's in League One, and Blackpool are in the um, playoff final this weekend because they finished third. There you go. I looked it up this afternoon. <laughs> um, but look, I don't want to take anything away from him. He's obviously had a good campaign. He's playing well. He's been playing in a successful side, and he's been an important part of that. So, um, good for good for Kenny. Um, uh, he yeah, he left for Blackpool this year. He was at Barnsley the last two years. There you go. Although uh, Barnsley obviously jumped up into the playoff spots this year, so I don't know. Is that a good, a good thing that he left? Or, <laughs> um, but look, the the Socceroos are undefeated so far in this World Cup qualifying campaign from their four matches. Um, they're currently two points clear of Kuwait and Jordan, um, so it means that those two Kuwait and Jordan games are going to be really key in the run home. Um, you'd think that a win and a draw in uh, either of those two matches, uh, providing we win the other two matches that we play, um, should be enough. Um, now, Moy and Rogic, they're probably the big names that are missing from from the camp. Um, apparently, Moy, this will be the first time he's got to, uh, first opportunity he's got to see his family um, during the, the lockdown uh, and the like due to COVID. And Rogic is carrying a bit of an injury. So, <laughs> surprise, surprise. Yeah, I was going to um, say, who's surprised by that? <laughs> I didn't even need to uh, research that. I just knew, yeah, Rogic is injured. Um, but, boys, one, one final thing, and uh, I guess, Jesse, this is where you can join back in, is that um, obviously this is going to have a massive impact on the A-League finals with uh, pretty much, I think, at least half of the squad is is A-League players. Um, Sydney and uh, City and Melbourne City are most affected. Um, boys, does that mean that uh, this 
A-League final series is completely wide open from from this point on? I think it definitely definitely has to um, come into it. I, I saw a meme. I'm sorry, I can't remember who actually tweeted this, but there was a meme with all these figure skaters falling over and Adelaide United was the only one still on its feet. Um, it was the Bradbury. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought that was really good. Um, and that kind of summed it up, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it does, to some extent, blow it wide open. But at the same time, I mean, it's always open, isn't it? I mean, it's 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 almost like you get the plate, and everyone sort of talks about their final position, and then it's like that gets sort of thrown out the window, and then it's finals time. So, um, yeah, I think it will make a difference um, for sure. You, you've only I got think... to win three games in a row to to become the the A League uh, champion, I guess. At the end of the day. I think I think keep in mind that um, the Oli Roo squad will be put together around the same time, uh, and there'll be a few more players from City, especially that will will be taken off into that camp. So City are only destined to lose more um, during during the finals campaign. So yeah, it's um, I think that's why winning the Premier's play for them was such a big deal on the weekend, because that that's really the one that the team deserves and has worked for, and and the finals can be a bit of an afterthought with with really half their squad. It's a good point, and it means they're also guaranteed another season of Asian Champions League as well. So that'll be back-to-back campaigns for them, which gives them a little bit of continuity in terms of um, them building a squad. So, um, yeah, uh, good times, I guess, for for City moving forward over the next two years. Um, boys, we'll move on to a little bit of transfer chat now. First up, uh, we've already touched upon it a little bit, so we'll do that first. Uh, Kane, um, Harry Kane has said that he wants to leave Spurs. Where do you think? Where do you guys think he's going to end up? Jesse? It's got to be it's got to be City or United, hasn't it? It's just it feels like a massive game of musical chairs, you know. Like there's the there's rumours that Grealish had pre-signed an agreement with City a couple of months ago, and hence all the the dithering with his game time. But if he and the injury and the injury inverted commas, but if he signs a contract that is up, upwards of seventy to eighty million pounds, then then how do they fit Kane in? And, and if they don't take Grealish, does he stay at Villa for another season? And that then sets the wheels in motion for other transfers. So it feels like a massive, um, there's going to be a lot of standoffs and it's like, it, it feels like it's going to be one transfer that sets everything in motion and, and who's the, going to be the first person to flinch. Uh, it probably won't be Levy. So it's probably going to be another, tra- it's probably going to be another transfer that sets this in motion. But um there's all these other politics at play. Like somebody mentioned that um, Kane might go to Chelsea, and then it's like, well, no, they won't sell them to a. They won't he won't sell them to a, a a London rival. But then if he gives it to City, he might as well give him the league for the next three or four years. I mean, it's just so many politics to think about when they sell Kane. And um, to be honest, if the other clubs in the continent went broke, um, I, I'd imagine Levy would prefer to actually sell it to someone outside of England. So, yeah, um, I think that's a. I think that's a good point because. I think probably if, if they were looking if, if this situation was happening happening say two seasons ago, it would have been Real Madrid, Barcelona that were that were going for Kane. But like you said, Jesse, those continental clubs, they just don't have the cash to pay for big transfers at the moment. And it kind of rules them all out. Um, so it's seemingly that if he leaves, he's going to a Premier League club. And but but does that include the, you know, we, we've seen in the past you play you pay a premium for one being an English player homegrown and two for being coming from another Premier League club. But but does that even factor anymore? Because these, you know, City and United know that Spurs can't sell him to the continent. So maybe the premium isn't 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 factored in in that price anymore. 
I guess the the other uh, factor in this is that Kane's still got, I think, three years left on his contract. So Levy's got all the bargaining power as well. And there's no guarantee that Kane will actually get sold. He we could be sitting here in in November or October um, thereabouts, and 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 if Kane's head's not right. Um, come the beginning of the campaign, he may not be playing. And I think one of the biggest telling signs that Spurs will sell him is the fact that they're. They've just launched their third kit this year with Gareth Bale modeling it. So it means if Gareth Bale's staying, it kind of means that, that they've now freed up the funds to pay him his enormous wages by letting Kane go um, and getting a big fee for him. So, And he'll probably play as a nine for Spurs and he'll probably play brilliantly all year. But I think that for me was kind of the signal that, okay, well, they've kind of settled that Kane's going to go. It's just now a matter of where. They're pretty pretty quick to put Son on the uh, on all the uh, imagery as well, so they obviously yeah. want to hold, hold on to him. Um, but uh, I, I heard a, a Spurs fan the other day was mentioning that you know if they sold Son and Kane, as painful as that would be for Spurs, they could do a proper rebuild of that team. And until they do that, they've literally got two players that are the team. Um, and when those two players don't, um, you know, do the ruthless finishing that they're renowned for, if they just have a sort of an off day, then Spurs are in massive trouble. So they really have to consider when they're going to do that rebuild. It's got to, they can't sort of keep papering over the cracks. They're going to have to do it at some stage. Yeah, I mean, we'll consider what Spurs finished seventh and and just just made the way to seventh. Harry Kane got the Golden Boot and he got the Playmaker Award, most goals and most assists in the league. Imagine if they didn't have Harry Kane. Yeah, that's not you exactly. Know? It's not a compliment to Spurs that he won those awards, especially exactly. the, especially the assists. <laughs> <laughs> He's just done it all himself. Yeah. Yeah, boys, that, that'll, that'll be interesting. Boys, uh, one player that we kind of already touched upon a little bit uh, is uh, Barcelona. Uh, one club, sorry, one um, Barcelona. We've mentioned they're probably not in the running for Kane, but um, hasn't stopped them from probably going out and, and signing Sergio Aguero, though, has it? Good signing? Oh, I don't know. Is he too old? Wasn't Suarez too old, guys? Mm. Oh, oh, wow. I mean, how times change. I, I missed him for my moment of the week because there were so many moments. But um, what a what a so get fucked, what a get fucked to Barca that was from Suarez. Um, yeah, that really. Um, if they go out and get a grow now, then it just shows you how fickle Barca are. Yeah, it's just so stupid. And they're probably going to be paying him super money as well, uh, like silly money in terms yeah, of wages. That the, doesn't make the, any sense at all. Well, I I think the transfer makes sense in terms of they need a striker. They're playing with Braithwaite up front and. And they yeah, exactly, and they they let go of Suarez. We all know the circumstances there for peanuts, and and you know whether whether or not it, whatever the reason was, they let him go, and now they're signing like the poor man's Suarez in Aguero. So, very <laughs> <laughs> few triggered wow. listeners. <laughs> 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 that are just convulsing on the ground right now. Um, boys, in the other big transfer that's uh, been in the pipeline this week, which is I think everyone has predicted was was inbound, was Max Burgess to Sydney FC. Now, the woo have desperately missed um, Max Burgess this season, and it's been uh, like I can't see Max Burgess coming back and still being the same footballer after not having played at all for, well, almost 18 months by the time he actually rocks up at, at Sydney. Um just uh, a good move, you think, for the player and, and for the club? I, I think Max Burgess is, like you said, Tommy, he's done himself done himself no favours. He's, what, 24 years old now and 
when you're that age, you need to be playing 90 minutes every week to improve your game. He had a brilliant season. He he could have been in this Socceroos squad if he kept playing the way he did last season, this season. He could have been included in this squad today. Um, but the fact that he had his little tantrum and he refused to come back to Melbourne, um, wanted to stay in Sydney, and he's tried to force his way out. And and to be fair to Mark Rudin and Western United have – held firm and they didn't let him go and they said okay well you can leave at the end of the season and he'll probably pay the price for that he and he won't be the same player it may take him another year 18 months to get back to that level if he ever gets back to that level so and what and what's um, more you know the the short sock industry has taken an absolute nosedive um (laughs) you know jack Grealish was keeping it afloat then he got injured so um you know we need max burgess back to get the calf muscles back out there yeah that's right (laughs) Oh, very good. All right, boys, uh, we'll get into some A-League now. Metcalf, clever movement to get rid of his defenders. That's this. De Silva's defending. Tulio out to Luna, who stands it up. Here comes Noon. It's found the back of the net. Craig Noon with the header. To the corner to celebrate. The Mariners are calling handball. There's no one at the south end of the ground thinking the same thing. And is that the goal that sets City on their way to their first ever premiership? Well, he's been very good tonight again. Very good this season, Craig Noon. And the Mariners just struggling to get the ball away. Danny De Silva's header just heaped more pressure as Luna goes for the far post. Only a, a few, I guess, uh, key games this week in the A-League. Uh, first up was one that we've already covered somewhat already, uh, which was City uh, defeating Central Coast 1-0. Uh, Craig Noon's winner meant uh, City finally have an A-League trophy. Yes, they won the FFA Cup before, um, but everyone was sort of at pains to, to make the point over the weekend that now they have an A-League trophy, uh, the Premier's Plate. Um, boys, did you guys actually notice that the Premier's Plate actually looks a bit beat up these days as well? I, d- I didn't know that. Do they use actually the same one every year? It, it does seem like that. I love that. Like, That's actually it had, great. Gives it a bit well, of character. Well, I I liked it, but it also had this massive scratch along the front, right? Like it was probably about three inches long. Uh, yeah, it looked like. And you hear those stories about like how Liverpool or Juventus or whoever will like drop the drop the trophy or drop the Champions League trophy like off a bus or something. Or I think Sergio uh, Ramos did it as well. Yeah, he dropped and the Copa del Rey. Yeah, and and like they just like they just get a new one, but but the A League has been so skin over the last few years that they've just got the they've got the same trophy, even though it's just been mashed no, at like all of these different parties. It's about sustainability, Tommy. They're just thinking about the they're just thinking about the environment. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, spare me! Um, but boys, there, there seemed to be some real nerves um, during uh, Central Coast's uh, match against City. Uh, I know that City, obviously, a lot of fans were were pretty keen to to make sure that they wrapped up the the result uh, this week. Um, and at the time of uh, recording, well, when we started, um, City was two uh, 0 down at half time against the the Raw. So it, it could have actually been down to, what is it? I think they play Newcastle this weekend and then uh, victory on the final day. Um, but uh, do you think that those nerves were justified? Would, would they have gone into this week, uh, sorry, tonight's game with a with a different mentality if they still had um, the 
uh, the plate to to wrap up. I think if they didn't if they didn't beat Central Coast on the weekend, they would have won the premiership tonight. Um, it kind of the you know the premiership hangover is a real thing. They've probably come in the Brisbane game tonight. They've started a few young players. A few players haven't played that many minutes. It's you know they're resting a few, but um, yeah, I think it was inevitable that City were going to win. But I, but I'm really glad it was that they won the Premier's Plate in Melbourne at home in front of their own fans because it would have been a real disappointment for them to win the league in Redcliffe. I think it would have been disappointing for Brisbane fans if <laughs> Brisbane had a won won the championship at at Redcliffe. Um, boys, uh... there's no there's no there's no um, there's no ticky tacky um, parade that's going to get through that bottleneck out of the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> Boys, is is um City winning the Premier's plate with three games to spare about commensurate with their performances this season? I, I think um one of the things we talked about in the preseason was about could Sydney do it again and could they show the the remarkable consistency they have in other years? Um Sydney's not only sort of won the league for the last couple of years, but just been well out in front. Um and the only other team that see, you, you know you'd think they'd have that hunger was City. And one of the things I thought in the preseason was that that city was going to um, build. I wouldn't say the same as kind of the Liverpool City um, in the Premier League situation, but kind of similar in the sense that the team that came second had much more motivation to to fight this year and go the whole way. So I think you could sort of see that, and it's not a surprise that City's leapfrogged them. So uh, you know they they was they were close last year. They went right to the end in the final. So um, I guess it's it's. You can. It's only a good thing that you've gone a step further this year, and it, whether or not they can go the the whole way in the finals is another question. But as you mentioned earlier, it's a piece of silverware, so that's that success is already notched up for them now. I, I think there's no um, understating the huge importance of Jamie McLaren. We obviously know he scored 25 goals this season, but but Melbourne City have scored 20 goals more than any other team in the league this year. Um, that's a so significant you, difference. So even if you take out Jamie McLaren, they're still then on par with sort of like the second best team. Pretty much. They've scored 55 goals this season and the next best is Adelaide United with 36. Yeah, you've so, got Scott, Scotty Pippen back there. I mean, Craig Noon uh, chipping in with all the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the big I goals. Mean, they, they've just been unstoppable going forward. Um They've been good defensively in parts. They've had some, you know, poor runs of defensive form. But when they've been good, they've been brilliant. And I think them winning the league with games to spare is justified in terms of how well they've played all year and how dominant they've been, particularly in that middle stretch of the season. I think they went a run of games where, you know, they scored like 19 goals in six games or something or five games or something ridiculous to to not concede one. It was they were just in untouchable kind of form, and and they can, they've continued that, and they've won the league deservedly with with time to spare. Yeah, it probably speaks a little bit to how we underrate the premiers played in in the A League, and I guess in Australian sport a little bit overall. I don't know that I don't want to start the debate about what's more important, winning the grand final or or being the minor premiers or the winning the premiers played, but. Um, but yeah, it's obviously been a great season for Melbourne City, um, the team that did. Uh, was uh, sort of the benchmark for over the last few years, though, was Sydney. And, and they played uh, Western Sydney in the Sydney Derby, though. Um, boys, this one was at the SOG. It was a bit flat, though, for you? Or what did you think? Yeah, unpopular opinion, probably. But I've watched a lot of games there for different codes, the rugby league. It's not the same. 
it's just uh, I mean I mean I know the AFL set up well for that for that um, ground, but the rugby league certainly doesn't come across as a, as a decent spectacle on the television. At least I don't know what it's like if you're actually there. Um, the old round round game uh, round goal for um, a square game doesn't really work um, with the SCG, but people persist with it, and because of all the other stadium issues in Sydney, they've moved so many games to the SCG as well. So that also affects the surface. I don't know. I'm not a massive fan of it for for football or rugby league or rugby. So that's just my opinion, but maybe their opinion. I mean, it's a beautiful ground. Don't get me wrong, but I just don't think it's suited to um to the sport. Yeah, you know I think I, mean? I think the um the the whole stadium issue with Sydney. They don't have a home at the moment, and and we know the Wanderers did that for the last few years while Bankwest was getting built, and um and Sydney are kind of going through that now. They're chopping around. They're going from the north to Cogra to um Leichhardt. to the SCG to Leichhardt. They're all over the place at the moment. So. Um, like the SCG, it's not conducive to a good atmosphere for football or to watch on TV. But like you said, Jesse, it's it's a beautiful ground. It's iconic. It's one of Sydney's, you know, glamour stadiums in terms of sport. And, and that's why they continue to go there. And it's actually very accessible in terms of stadiums in Sydney. So Get it down to, um, to Wynn Stadium, the Chicos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it, the, the atmosphere in that for a derby and for – the importance of the game that, that that had, I think it just fell so flat for me. Fair enough. Um, already, boys, we're, we're not going to talk about the result. We're just going to keep moving, though. Still plenty more to talk about, though. Uh, the other big match this weekend was Wellington's homecoming. Uh, back to the Cake Ton. They had 24,000 there, which I think is going gonna go pretty close to making it the biggest um biggest match of uh the season in terms of attendances after um we, we haven't really seen the either of the melbourne or, or sydney derbies uh hit quite the same heights this year due to to covid restrictions and attendances just being generally down but um jesse how how, how much would you have wanted to have been at this game yeah, it, it just looked like a sensational uh, spectacle. Uh, New Zealand's been a little bit different to here in the sense that crowds got in a lot faster um, for them. They haven't had the caps um, uh, that we have um, once they've been in the clear. So you are seeing uh, bigger attendances just across the board. So I, I don't know if it's a, a fair um, comparison with Australian crowds just yet, um, even though we are getting until this week, we're getting up to decent numbers here too. But um, it is still very impressive and it's great to see. And it's obviously on the back of just being starved of months and months and months of being able to see the team locally and in the flesh. So um, uh, Jason Pine, a shout out to him. He's uh, the commentator. He's, 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 he's engaged in a few of the more than a game uh, posts on Twitter. He was calling it and I think he did a great job and he, he sort of conveyed the emotion of, um, uh, the, the the fans finally seen the team for a while, and the um, the abbreviation or the hashtag for this game was well won, and um, I think it was was well won in the end, three 0 and it was it was convincing. And um, I think uh, you know the Western United were just kind of overwhelmed with the one one team wanted it more. I think you enjoy that, Tommy. They just wanted Mate, it more. Wellington just came home with the wettest of wet sails with that, <laughs> that really stiff, uh, strong breeze uh, flowing. With flowing a, a real New Zealand reference there. Great at sailing. <laughs> 120K Southwester. I, um, yeah. th- this guy, it wasn't just the crowd, the, the size of the crowd for me, but just how loud and how passionate. And you could just tell these people were starved of, you know, top level high football for the last 18, 19 months that it's been. 
And every time Wellington got the ball, they were just on their feet. It was loud. Every time Western United got the ball, you could hear boos ring around the ground. It was it was just one of those games that you, you couldn't see anything else happening but Wellington running away with it. And they did in the end. It could have been four, five, six nil. Yeah, the the other the other big thing uh, or big moment out of this match was uh, Andrew Durante's uh, retirement, and it was sort of um, it almost could have been an, an own goal this week about the announcement. It seemed like that they it was a little bit reminiscent of uh, remember that Donald Trump press conference like a, at that garage. I, I can't remember the name of the, <laughs> but it was a bit like that. I think they did this press conference in the car park, and it just was it was massively amateur hour, um, but it, it was sort of made up for by the fact that Andrew Durante I guess got an opportunity to say goodbye. To, to all of the Wellington um, fans that were there as well. And um, there was a few tongue-in-cheek um, uh, TIFOs. Such as, I think there was one saying like, uh, Dura, like we love you, but we hope you lose today and, and that kind of thing. So um, it, it was a really nice day, I think, for him. And I'm not sure if you guys saw his sort of farewell at the end of it. That was a really touching moment as well. Um, big player for you, um, Jesse, Andrew Durante. Yeah, I mean, every time I see Durante, I just think of the Energizer Buddy. You know, he's just you know, the, the, the battery doesn't go out; it's so durable. Um, <laughs> and, and he's just he's just been a great servant to not only um, the Phoenix but just to the league. Um, mm. And and I think it's great. I think it's it's also just a great reminder that defenders can play, you know, on and on and on and go beyond the sort of age we we, we focus so much on attackers and. You know, oh no, they're getting into the thirties. You know, they're gonna they're gonna have to be moved on, sort of thing. But defenders can just keep going and going, and um, he's sort of testament to that. So it's great to yeah. see. And I think don't, not not to forget that he he played nearly nearly seventy games in the NSL before the A League started. So he's uh, he's definitely had a fair crack at it. Um, Tommy, one one last uh, comment on on the crowd at at uh, in Wellington. You're talking about it'll go close to being the biggest crowd of the season. I think there's only one game that might be a bigger crowd, and that's when Wellington play at Eden Park on the weekend. I think it's got a chance of being an even bigger crowd, and that it'll be those two games that are the biggest crowds of this season. So it's, pr- it's pretty exciting. And Eden Park will be absolutely rocking that square ground. It's going to be amazing. Jesse, which one do you think is – like will the Eden Park game go bigger, you think? Yeah, well, um, it is actually, weirdly enough, Damo, it is a round ground, but it's an amateur round ground in the sense that yeah, it's, yeah. it's not the right size. Like <laughs> because they try and play cricket there they and try it's play like cricket a boundary that's really, about 40 metres. <laughs> it's, it's the kind of cricket boundary that, you know, you and I, after a beer, could just do a slog sweep and, and we'd, clear the, <laughs> we'd clear the fence. So it's, it's, it's a bit of an embarrassment for cricket. But, yeah, it is, um, it is definitely closer to the um, action. And so... Um, when you fill up Eden Park, it's pretty, pretty cool. So, yeah, I, I think you're right because there's just the population and the density up in Auckland is just another level. Um, so, and, and there's a huge football scene up in Auckland and New Zealand football and everything. So, yeah, I think we'll get a huge crowd there too. Good stuff. Hopefully it translates uh, just as well to TV as it did uh, for uh, the Western United game. Um, already, boys, on to some Premier League now, though. Applying loss of pressure on the Leicester goal. Schmeichel comes, doesn't get near it. It's bundled over and Spurs are level again. Sanchez celebrates. A big goal in the Champions League race. Another big goal in the Champions League race. Leicester can't believe it, but Spurs are level. 
But here's Bale, and he'll look for Son, who took it beautifully. Onto Kane, still Kane, still Kane. Bale waits, it's Gareth Bale! A big blow for Leicester, but a big goal for Tottenham. Off the bench, Gareth Bale may have won this for Spurs. And it's going to break for Bale. And Gareth Bale, will he have the final word for Spurs? He, he does it the second attempt. Gareth Bale firmly bursts the Leicester bubble. Alrighty, there was uh, the final round of Premier League was played over the the weekend. All ten games played simultaneously. It was like uh, gold rush on sorry gold rush on steroids. It's just elite. I love it. But it's, uh, I don't think either of you got up for it though, did you? Yeah, let's just say it was an absolute embarrassment on my part. Um, <laughs> I was really tired. Um, I was like, sweet, I'll oh, set my alarm. I'll set my alarm go. to twelve forty-five. I actually set it to 12.45. <laughs> um, so um, my alarm was set for midday. Um, so, <laughs> so I woke up at 5 a.m. Yeah. and just about fucking like, lost, my, lost my shit. And, um, it, luckily, either, that or was, either that or you just had a massive sleep in until midday. Oh, well, 5 a.m. is a sleep in <laughs> with a puppy, I tell you that. Um, so I got up and, um, and, and, and me and the little black Labrador puppy watched the, um, the game, we watched the Liverpool game, but it was kind of similar in the sense that you're watching the game and all the news is coming in and I haven't checked the results on my phone. So, um, it was still dark. It could have been early in the morning as well. So yeah, it was, it was still a great occasion. And then I was able to sort of go back through all the different results and see what happened. So yeah, um, an amazing final day. It was great to see some drama, um, on the final day. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the Liverpool result in just a second, but really, I think the the main uh, main game that everyone had their eye on, which was the one that was really going to be deciding a lot to do with not just fourth place, but uh, third, fifth, um, and also is down as far as sort of uh, sixth, seventh, eighth, which was um, Leicester versus uh, Tottenham. And Leicester did take an early lead, but uh, boys, if there was uh, a biggest bottlers uh, award for this season, uh, and and maybe previously it might have been Spurs that would have had that, um, Leicester, they are dead set. They are uh, looking like they're going to be taking over the mantle as the biggest bottlers after uh, (laughs) taking that that lead and then basically throwing it away. And in the end, they ended up losing 4-2. I I didn't even um, realise that they conceded a fourth goal so late on. Um, but yeah, just uh, Lister just throwing it away in the end. I think um, really disappointing for them. Was he surprised at all that, that Lister threw it away on the on the final day? No, no, I'm, I'm not. Like I, I thought when they lost in Newcastle at home, I thought um, Here we go again. Yeah, like I mean, if you think about Tottenham situation, like I, I realised just thinking about it before that if Tottenham had beaten Villa. And one other team, I can't remember the other team was, um, they would have got in. They would have gone into the top four based on the results that we saw. So um, they also did their best to um, screw up their own European ambitions. But uh, Leicester just went a step further. And it's your home game on a final day. Um, you know, Ch- meanwhile, Chelsea's um, gone away to Villa and had an absolute nightmare. Um, and you still find a way to let Chelsea back in the top four. It's just incredible. Um I wonder, like, if you think about it, I mean, at what point does the news filter through and you sort of say, calm down, lads, you know, like at Tottenham's equaled at 2-2 and 
and and you know how do you sort of they just didn't keep their heads they were just obsessed with going for the win and and completely lost it. I, I I think that the bottle tag would be harsh if the season was just taken in isolation, but you can't take it in isolation because of what happened last year. It was the same old thing. Top of the league around Christmas or in the in the top four at Christmas and, and they're all season until the final final week. I mean, that's pretty devastating. I said it um, early on, but I do think that if they hadn't have won the the FA Cup, or if they had have only made the FA Cup semi final, I think they would have been a shoe in to finish top four. But but with winning the cup, I, I think they massively took their eye off the prize, and um, it's it's all just um, they've all been a little bit um, uh, just a little bit they've taken their eye off the prize sort of in the in the last week or so. Uh, Jesse, you've kind of already mentioned it in, in passing a little bit, which was uh, Chelsea having just a, a shocker on the final day as well uh, away to Villa. Um, how lucky are Chelsea to have scraped through on the final day? Yeah, just insanely lucky. Like the 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 everything sort of that could have gone wrong went wrong for them and, and the crowd got up for Villa and... I mean, that was always going to be the, a really tricky fixture. The the thing that was going under the radar, and I say under the radar because all of the focus is on that Leicester game, it's just that Chelsea could have just slid straight out of the, the top four on the final day. And um, at one stage with Liverpool up and Leicester up at the same time, it looked like that was going to happen. So, I mean, like, you know, we had George in the group chat sort of saying thanks to Gareth Bale. I mean, absolutely. <laughs> and some, I mean, you know, essentially Tottenham has bailed them out. Yeah, literally you can't even before me. The <laughs> now and and put um put his uh, face up on the uh, on a on a poster or something outside Stanford Stanford Bridge. <laughs> we'll never buy during Corona St- uh, Stanford Bridge again. You know he's he's royalty over there now. I imagine. <laughs> Uh, and Jesse, you've already uh, sort of mentioned a little bit, but Liverpool, they had the Crystal Palace, a uh, clinical 2-0 win there, two goals from Sadio Mane. Uh, that saw Liverpool claim third, which is, uh, got to say, a pretty incredible comeback for, for Liverpool after their horrible form in early 2021. Um, would you Could you have possibly foreseen this this panning out the way that it has? No, no. I think um, I think a month or so ago, I just thought well, there was just too much uh, in front of us. Um you can't, yeah, you can't sort of predict that Leicester's going to have those sort of nightmare results that they did and um, and for the other teams to drop points. You can't anticipate that. You just have to assume that they're going to um, hold their nerve and they, and they didn't. So to finish third in the season that we had, um, I'm absolutely wrapped, to be honest. Um, yeah, I didn't think that. I think everyone was getting a little bit ahead of themselves after the Allison header and saying that we were home. I, I didn't feel like we were <laughs> Didn't feel like we were home at all. We had Burnley and Palace still to go, and they're absolute banana skins for us. Massive um, but, banana skins. But to win three 0 and two 0 on those on those last two games um, showed a little bit of the old maturity that they had last season, and I was really impressed by that because that's it. It, it came at the right time, you know, with the other teams. You saw Chelsea and um, and Leicester lose their heads. We didn't lose our heads, so I'm I'm really pleased to finish like that. Yeah, and look, Fair Liverpool, enough. obviously everyone knows their bad form and the injuries they had, but I've, I've got a list of um, players and how many league games they missed this year. So Van Dijk, 33 league games, Gomez, 31, Matip, 28, Cater 28, Jota, 19, Henderson, 17, Thiago, 14. That's how many games pretty much all starters Outside of maybe Jota when he wasn't in his great, when he, the others were in better form, but 
you know, that that's half of your starting 11 missed more than half the season. So it's still, it's pretty incredible that, um, the Liverpool have finished third and yeah, you know, th- thanks to another, a couple of teams not being in the greatest form, but all credit to Liverpool for being able to pull that out. Well, um, you've you've got uh, I guess other teams they they're playing the games that they're playing and you sort of hope that they slip up but, but Liverpool's only had the the teams in front of them to play sort of for the last two two three months so um I think they've done pretty pretty bloody well to to be able to turn it around and, and they still have been somewhat inconsistent but they've still been far more consistent than some of the other teams around them um Boys, uh, the other game that really did have something riding on it was West Ham uh, hosting Southampton. Um, West Ham needed just a point from this one to ensure uh, that they finish in sixth spot. Um, and that was to wrap up uh, Europa League rather than finishing seventh and playing Europa Conference League. Um, West Ham weathered an early storm after getting, uh, oh, sorry, to end up getting a pretty st- uh, straightforward 3-0 win at home uh, against Southampton. Declan Rice rounded off a late win after two Pablo Fornell's goals, um, which, like I said, secured sixth place for West Ham, their best finish since 1999. Um, boys, we'll, I'm sure we'll come back to a lot of these things uh, in our season review uh, pod next weekend. Um, but, uh, yeah, the the one, uh, the only other final match that we did need to cover was uh, City, obviously, uh, and Sergio Aguero's farewell. Um, they tonked uh, Everton 5-0. Um, and, and this, for me, was probably probably the most surprising result of the round for me because, like, Everton Everton still had something to play for. And the fact that they, they didn't really seem to turn up at all um, against a, a City team that didn't really have much to play for just completely blew me away. It, was, it really shocked me. And I think Everton, um, now they've ended up finishing 10th there. Um, it, it's just a, a real season of waste for, uh, for Everton for me. Um, Boys, what did you think of that final round? Any surprises for the score or? Just like any team, including us, including Liverpool, can go to the Etihad and get demolished 5-0. Um, so I don't think the result itself is is too like surprising, like considering the the, the party atmosphere, um, especially after one goal went in and that Aguero's final game. But it also just exposes horribly sort of the lack of fight that Everton has um, once they go down. I mean, they've actually been pretty decent away from home. Their home form has been the real issue this year. Um, but still, like, just to collapse like that, even when they've still got something to play for, um, some of the goals, the defending is just horrendous. Um, I know that they were exposed a couple of times and there's not much the defenders could really do other than just sort of isolate them. But like they were, they were, there's, there's, there's like footage, I think it's of Godfrey and someone else just getting turned inside out by Jesus and Aguero and it's just too easy. It's just too easy for the City players. So it actually looked like a bottom of the table team playing a top of the table team and that's really the most brutal kind of thing you can say about for Everton. They didn't look like they were, a, they didn't look like a top table team. Um, Let alone the team that was, I think, um, at the completion of the the thirty seventh round. I think they, I think they were in eighth place or ninth place, and I think they dropped down places because I think Leeds won, and there was one other team that won who jumped above them as well. So they actually lost two places on the final day, which is just would be really disappointing, I think, for Everton fans. Um, yeah. Boys, in terms of the other results, uh, Jesse, sorry, you wanted to say something before we move on. Well, I was just going to try and play the uh, the Uno card where um, you block and you send it back to the person who asked you the question. 
I mean, surely you want to say something on West Ham, mate. Here's your moment. Um, you must be absolutely wrapped uh, with uh, your boy Ricey um, hitting in the winning, the final goal to make it 3-0. But um, how are you feeling, mate? Have you got the, um, you know, have you, have you got your sort of European passports book, um, booked? I mean, you know, obviously you can't go anywhere, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're locked in that room. You're not going on a European holiday. <laughs> uh, kind, of, kind of in leave Sydney at the moment, let alone bloody Australia. Um, but no, I, I have jokingly uh, mentioned to my partner that, uh, hey, do you want to go to Marseille or, or Seville next year? Uh, <laughs> uh, we can go watch West Ham play. No, it's, um, look, it's, it's been um, after a couple of rough years following West Ham, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching them and, and watching them play really well. There's been a couple of uh, results recently where um, in past years, I probably would have expected the team to have just folded uh, and, and lost it. But even in this game against Southampton, like they were absolutely battered in the first 20 minutes. I think Southampton probably should have been up 2-0. Um, but for them to come back and and uh, get a couple goals and, can, like I say, weather the storm, um, it was it was really good to watch. It was really, really, really fun to, to I guess, watch watch the team sort of uh, watch their fight um, every week. It's been, it's been a joy. Just goes to show if you do a bit of decent recruitment, you can actually build a decent squad. Some of the um, uh, the, the the Czech signings have proved to be incredibly valuable for um, um, for West Ham and Kufal, um, is it Sufal or Sufal? Sufal has been brilliant for them. So I mean, you've got to you've got to be happy with the signings, but which is something that you know we've done this pod for a few years, and the main thing that you've said at the end of the season every time is shit signings. Why did we buy that guy? I can't can't wait can't wait to get rid of him. Or he's he's leaving to China on his own accord. <laughs> so, so finally, you've got a couple of guys who've come in who want to play for West Ham and have really played for the shirt. And you know, shock horror, you've finished high up the table. Yeah, it's been uh, like you say. It's we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit more and uh, uh, in the the preview, uh, sorry, review uh, episode next week. But um, yeah, the, those uh, two Czech guys, uh, the potato salad lovers, uh, Sufal and Suchek, they've just been absolute wonders this season. But like I said, more on that next week. We we um, have um we have some Leeds fans um tuning in. Uh, uh, Tommy, the other Tommy, uh, a big Leeds fan, um, he just wanted uh, us to cover a little bit about um, the, the party atmosphere for them and their final game. Um, a huge um, season for Leeds and, and, and sort of slipped under the radar um, how well they've done. Um, but the fans obviously were very um, happy to have them um, for the final day and they, they did exactly what everybody kind of expected them to do and, and, and smacked a few goals in and won quite convincingly. Yeah. Um, so no comment. <laughs> so uh, friend friend of the pod biggers, he uh, sent me a, a screen capture. Uh, I think it was yesterday, which was all of the achievements that um, uh, or records that Leeds have broken this year, either internal uh, to the club or uh, uh, in the Premier League for for a promoted team. Um, and and just like there's about three screens worth of. Uh, three screens worth of records there. It's been an incredible quick, season. And Quick note on that. They're not the highest finished promoted team in Premier League history. That's Sheffield United. <laughs> That's what you call a legitimate conflict of interest. <laughs> did, did Sheffield United finish above them this season though? Or? No comment. <laughs> Alrighty, boys. We're going to keep moving along, though. So, um, the other results saw uh, Wolves, who didn't really have much to play for. They lost at home to Man United. Uh, Leeds, as we were just discussing, they knocked over already relegated West Brom. 
Arsenal finished on a high note, beating Brighton 2-0 at home, which meant that um, they, they missed out on the opportunity to jump above the Spurs. Uh, Newcastle amazingly jumped up to 12th after beating Fulham. And Damo Sheffield United, they had a they finished the season on a high note, uh, knocking over Burnley one nil uh, at home on the final. Quick note days. on that, um, I just want to mention that was the first game at Bramall Lane with fans since the league stopped because of COVID. And if if any team suffered more from the COVID stop and the no fans in the Premier League, it was Sheffield United. That's a biased opinion, but it is what it is. But uh, I think over 7,500 fans were able to see off Sheffield United with their last game in the Premier League. So it was probably special uh, for those fans in, at Bramall Lane on the weekend. It would, uh, would have been a sad, bittersweet kind of moment. But um, it is what it is. They get the win and, and say goodbye to the Premier League all on the same day. Sheffield United will continue playing football next year in the championship, though. Um, boys, we'll be doing our uh, annual Premier League review pod uh, next week or in a few weeks' time. Uh, so, listeners, make sure you keep an eye out for that. Um, but next up, I've actually got a couple of prizes to give away. So, um, before we move on to the EFL Championship playoffs, we've got some MTAG FPL prizes. Um, give away a couple of prizes today. First up, we've got the May monthly prize. Um, this player has really come home with a very, very wet sail, soaking wet, in fact. Um, Mace Caruana, he takes out the May prize. Um, he also took out the April and January monthly prizes as well. So congratulations, Mace. Um, already got your PayPal details on file. So, uh, yeah, won't need to be uh, sliding into your DMs uh, just, uh, just this week. Um, but, look, uh, with the monthly prizes out of the way, now we can get on to the important ones um that's the overall prize winners and for for those that don't remember back to the beginning of the season i, I promise that we will do a couple prizes so first all the way down to fourth they all get a prize um and drum roll uh fourth place that goes to aaron barker's hokey pokey um third prize goes to pete steinford's uh, McGinnadine Zidane, which is a great team name as well. I feel like I'm very happy to be uh, giving some money to him after just having a great team name. Um, now, we get into the really meaty ones here. And, and Jesse, I know that you've had a really fantastic season uh, with fantasy football uh, this year, but um, you, the highest you could place in, in more than a game was second, though. So uh, are you a little bit disappointed or are you uh, happy with how your season's panned out? I mean, mate. To be honest, I thought I was third, um, but obviously the person in the uh, the league that was uh, first was uh, scrubbed out, Lance Armstrong. Um, so <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to sort of got the. Um, I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy via the uh, anti doping commission um, well, to take second second place. Thanks, Wada. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I want to thank Wada and my family and everybody that's helped me get here. Um, no, but I, I there's I, no substance uh, abuse. Yeah, I mean, I was I was always surprised to be um to be getting second there, Tommy. So it's news to me, mate. Uh, party party atmosphere here now. Very good. Um, but uh, that does mean that uh, the winner he probably already knows that um you prob- uh the uh this year's overall winner is Mace Caruana. Uh, so he obviously took out the May and April and January uh, monthly awards. So uh, it was a red hot winner, uh, a red hot favorite for for taking out this uh, year's overall prize. 
so congratulations, Mace. Uh, went right down to the wire. I think he only overtook Jesse, I think, in uh, I think it was the second last week. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it did really go right down to the wire. But I, I did check the um, this week's results. And uh, I think this week alone, he beat you by about 40 points, Jesse. So yeah, Man, in I, the end, it, I think he beat you by about 50 points. So still pretty close. But uh, you probably wish that they had to stop the count on the second last week. Man, I can't, I can't hate somebody for captaining Mane in the final day. I mean, you know, fair play to the bloke. Difference maker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so congratulations, Mace, and all of our prize winners, uh, and thank you, everyone uh, else, for playing. This was uh, completely, uh, uh, I guess, participant-generated, the the prize pool, so uh, thanks, everyone, for contributing towards that, and uh, we're all able to give out a lot of prizes this year to a lot of different uh, people, so um, it's been a lot of fun, and I hope everyone has enjoyed playing. Next up, uh, championship playoffs. <laughs> So um, just a, a few weeks ago, we confirmed that Norwich and Watford, uh, they're going to be bouncing straight back to the Premier League on first attempt, uh, while Brentford, Barnsley, Bournemouth and Swansea rounded out the playoff places. Um, now, over the, the last week, we've had the two semi-final playoffs uh, with Bournemouth. Bournemouth, they lost the plot in a crazy game against Brentford uh, to lose their first uh, leg lead to go down 3-2 on aggregate. That was a bonkers game. I was, I was watching the first 30 minutes of that, and I'm not sure if you guys uh, even caught the highlights, but uh, Bournemouth absolutely shat the bed after being in, in pole position. I think they were 2-0 up um, uh, at, at one point there, and for them to, to throw that away, I think they would be really, really annoyed. Um, boys, uh, Brentford will be go- hoping to go one better uh, after losing last year's championship playoff uh, final to Fulham um, in the final day. Um, and while Swansea saw off a dogged resistance from Barnsley to win 2-1 over their two-legged playoff, which was a little bit less eventful uh, than the Bournemouth-Brentford games. Um, that sets up a promotion playoff final between Swansea and Brentford uh, to be played this Saturday. Boys, Swansea haven't played in the Premier League for three years after going down in 2018, while Brentford haven't been in the First Division since 1947. Boys, uh, two questions for you. You can answer them, uh, I guess, uh, separately. Um, who do you want to make it into the um, into the Premier League uh, next year, and who do you think will will make it in? Jesse, uh, I'll let you go second. Damo, uh, who do you who do you who do you want to make it? Who do you think will make it? Um, I want Brentford to make it. I, I I love the way Brentford is set up. They're a real. Uh, I don't know if you you guys or the listeners know a lot about Brentford, but they're they're owned by the same owner as uh, Micheland. They're built by the the Moneyball model, I guess you could call it a very data oriented setup at the club. Um, and I I think that, that I love that part of football, and I love that that's the way that football is going, and they make money. They get results, and I'd love to see what they can do in the Premier League um, with a bit more income. So I really hope um, Brentford can go up. They've got a brand new stadium that the fans can flock to, um, and it's it's just got fairy tale written all over it. So I really hope they can go up, um, and I think they'll go up too. I think they'll win it. Um, what, what you're tapping into there, um, uh, Damo, with the data is expected buzz. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> expected Brentford and, you know. Ex-Brentford ex to Premier League. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And, I, I mean, I maybe this just goes to show that I don't know if about enough about Brentford this year because I did follow them a bit more last year, but um, I want Brentford to go up. My gut is more thinking that Swansea is going to get through, which I don't want to happen, but unfortunately I feel like they will. Um, so, yeah, hopefully um, my hope is going to override my gut and that Brentford gets through. This, like is one of my favorite, this is one of my favorite games of the year, the championship playoff. It's just, I mean, yeah, there's not going to be 100,000 people at Wembley this year, but it, the atmosphere and the feel of the game, I don't think there's anything much like it in English football than the championship playoff. There's a real desperation about it, isn't yeah. there? It is, and but it's it's never really. I mean, yes, sometimes but it's never really like one of those nervous energy cup finals. It's it's like we're here, we're hitting the ground, we're going for it. This is all or nothing kind of feel, and and you get that vibe from the ground, from the players, from everyone. It's it's real desperation. Yeah, it's it's, it's like being in a nightclub in Ibiza. Um, <laughs> just actually, being, just just glad to be there. <laughs> the atmosphere is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh boys alright um, let's uh, we'll finish up with the Champions League preview though So uh, City will be playing Chelsea uh, on Saturday night slash Sunday morning. Chelsea come into the game in not the greatest of form. They've lost three of their last four. Um, that includes losing the FA Cup to Leicester. Um, and City, they've they've lost two of their last four as well. And, and one of those was to Chelsea in the league. Um, but they, they have scored some a lot of goals recently, though. So they do come into it in, in even though uh, not great form. They, they have been scoring a lot of goals. Um, boys, do you think it's going to be a high-scoring game? No, I feel this has got midfield battle written all over it. Just Pep's going to stack the midfield with like six players and and then you're going to have Kante just like chasing four people and, and just doing it comfortably <laughs> for 120 minutes. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes all the way to penalties. I feel like it's got that kind of vibe to it. <clears throat> yeah, it's, I'm, uh, I'm thinking 1-1 one, one goes to pens. Yep. Ooh, I, I think it's the it's the kind of game that it, um, we I, we probably say this every every final every cup final whatever that uh, this game is desperate for an early goal and if you get mm -hmm. an early goal anything can happen. Um, but yeah, if it's nil all for a long time, almost into sort of past the hour mark, then yeah, I think this has got all the hallmarks of uh, being a low scoring game as well. A real arm wrestle. It's um, a real lesser of two evils with these teams because I don't like either of them. But I, I really don't like City, so I'm I'm going for Chelsea because it's not just because I don't want City to win it. It's because there's a bit of monopoly on on t these teams winning certain cups, and I know that City won the League Cup, but I just don't want to give the I just don't want anyone to have the satisfaction of saying they did the double. You know, I, I or the I'd treble. rather or the treble. You know, I'd rather I'd it's rather like sort of like. Treble. Because yeah. like you know, like like it's like when Chelsea got knocked out of the FA Cup. I mean, imagine if they'd won that and the Champions League. You never hear the end of it. So I just I just want Chelsea to beat City just to continue the curse. 
uh, for the well, city and and also just to sort of spoil that kind of like because otherwise you're going to finish the season and they've won the premier league the league cup and the champions league i mean it's just i just it just it, 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 i shudder just thinking about that i want the aguero fairy tale do you remember the headline on on the back pages and front pages of the manchester papers that said i'm not leaving manchester city until i win the champions league i just i really want that to come to fruition because oh, you know, there's all those memes it. about Aguero being 80 years old, still yeah. running around on the pitch. <laughs> but if he wins and yeah, he may or may not play part. He, he probably will. If, especially if he goes to extra time, he'll probably come on and, and imagine if Aguero scores the winner and, and you oh. know, it's, it's kind of written in the stars. We get another Martin Tyler moment, uh, final, final minutes of the game, you know, imagine he scores I've, the w- winning pen, penalty, yeah. you know, scratch yeah. your eyes. You are really watching the most extraordinary scenes <laughs> ever again. I, I, what I want to see is like the massive U-turn that he does when um, when uh, City don't win and then he goes, oh, fuck, I've got to stay now, don't I? I, I promise that. <laughs> it doesn't leave. <laughs> yeah, let, let's, just, let's just keep that ironic, I reckon. Just, just, just leave the Barca and just never win it. <laughs> He'll c- come back to City as like an assistant manager and win the Champions League. <laughs> Told you I wouldn't leave. <laughs> Oh wow! Alrighty, boys. Uh, very quickly, uh, I think we've we haven't really done a, a prediction there. Um, what's your what's your prediction? One one. Amo. Oh, sorry, Jesse. One one. One one goes okay. to pens. Chelsea wins. Damo. City win after extra time or penalties. Ooh. All right, I'm going to say uh, Chelsea will win one uh, nil in regular time. Oh. Um, and we're we'd not finished there, although it's sort of like the the budget European Cup, uh, the Europa League final. Wait till the won. Conference League starts. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the Europa League final on Thursday as well. Uh, Man United they play Villarreal in Gdansk in Poland. Uh, Man United, Gdansk. Never heard of it. In the in the Bunnings Europa League, and we'll talk <laughs> about the we'll, we'll talk about the Costco. Conf- <laughs> Conference League of the second. <laughs> That's very good. Um, Man United uh, surely be red hot favourites for this one against El Submarino Amarillo, um, but it's still going to be an exciting match for the neutral with Jared Moreno and Danny Parejo uh, providing plenty for Man United um, play- players to think about. Um, boys, do you see anything other than Man United getting the win here? I hope so. <laughs> I hope I, I hope Villarreal win. I don't want Man United to win. Just it's yep. just a, you know another thing for Man United fans to be talking about. Which you know when Man United fans talk, it's not much fun to listen. No, it isn't. Villarreal <laughs> go go on the submarines. Which is um like it's a strange final because I think um like Villarreal they come from like this tiny town in in Spain i think they're a town of like 50,000 people and their stadium holds 30,000 so they're getting like two thirds of their whole town are coming to these games i think they're I'm not sure if they're just out i think they're from just outside of one of the major cities so they're obviously getting plenty of overflow from that from that city but um man like man united won this trophy 3 years ago i think it was under mourinho and so it's not really one that they're going to be bragging about that they've won so it's kind of like Man United, I don't think, will care if they don't win it. Um, but I still think that they will probably win it anyway. Um, it, it could just be a bit of a bridge too far for um, for Villarreal. And uh, like, I guess uh, to go out on a limb uh, straight up, I think um, Man United have, have really improved this year under Solskjaer. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do take it out. 
Poison. is going to need VRL is going to need the um the the biggest magic trick since they got Cthulhu to come out of the um the box for his uh <laughs> <laughs> for his unveiling. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. The smoke, the <laughs> fake smoke. Oh, that was spectacular. Sorry, <laughs> boys. Um, question without notice. Uh, who, who's going to take out this one then? Damo? I think Man United will spank them. Yeah, unfortunately, I think it'll be 2 0 to Man United in normal time. Fair enough. Um, I'm really, it's one of those uh, sort of one with the heart, one with the um, one with the head. My heart wants uh, Villarreal to win. Uh, even even on penalties, I think they'd take that. But uh, my head says that Man United will win and, uh, this pretty comfortably. So it's um, going to be very interesting to see how that pans out. And given that I'm in hotel quarantine and can't do anything or go anywhere, I will be waking up. Uh, not at midday, though. I'll make sure I don't wake up <laughs> at midday for it. What I will say, guys, is em- Emery is the king of um, just an absolute, like, turnaround tactically. Like, I will never forget what Sevilla... Um, half time, just completely screwing Liverpool in the second half, um, and and just you know, off. I, I remember distinctly uh, a friend of mine saying to me that he's a really good tactician. Don't underestimate him. And we're up two 0 or something at half time, and the, he, they score from the kickoff. So he's like, <laughs> he he's he's been in the sheds with the team, and he said, "This is how we're going to zigzag through Liverpool from the kickoff, and then you're going to be down by only one goal, and it's the rest of the half to get the other goals." And Sevilla steamrolled us in that second half. So it, that's that's probably their biggest hope is their manager. He might better um, pull something. Are out you saying this could be an Emery masterclass? I, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Um, uh, Damo, did you give your prediction already? Yeah, Man United to win comfortably. All right, All right cool. Um, all right. Well, that pretty much wraps things up then for for this week. Um, like we said, there's still plenty to to be happening this week with uh, Championship playoff, Europa League, um, Champions League, and obviously more A League on the horizon as well. Um, it's been great having you uh, all with us to to talk uh, football once again. But uh, until next week, um, enjoy the football. Good evening. Good evening.